Welcome to the Mighty Littles Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Mighty Littles Podcast. We have another episode with myself and Dr. Joanna Pargabalinki. And today we are going to be talking about Does My Baby's Head Look Funny? Dr. Pargabalinki, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Welcome back to the Mighty Littles Podcast. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I love coming here. Excellent. I love having you here. And I think uh, it's really fun to give parents information that we can take the kind of big medical knowledge and put it into terms that the parents can understand. Because a lot of times in the NICU, we throw out terms like plagiocephaly and dolicocephaly and craniosynostosis. And they seem like really big, scary words. And we're going to talk about all of those words today in this episode as we talk about baby head shape and does my baby's head look funny? Short answer is probably. (laughs) Yes, there is a reason that babies look really, really cute in hats over the first several weeks of life. Why don't we dive right in to talking about the head of newborns? Yeah, I mean, the head of a newborn, so we always think of our skull, you know, the adult skull is kind of this one big solid bone, but it's really not. It's composed of many different bones. And specifically, when you're a baby, you have these things called fontanelles, which are the joints between the bones, essentially. So you've got an anterior fontanelle, you've got a posterior fontanelle, and in between those fontanelles, you've got more sutures or joints um, connecting all these bones of the skull. Yeah. And for, you know, most people refer to those as the soft spot. So -hmm. everybody's like, well, where's my baby's soft spot? And can I hurt my baby by touching the soft spot? So you've got one in the front and one in the back. And no, you're not going to hurt your baby by touching that soft spot. That's just an area where several bones are coming together, but they haven't quite fused all the way, which allows your baby's head to grow as your baby's brain grows. That's what kind of encourages head growth is brain growth. So as the brain grows, the brain needs space and the brain kind of puts a little bit of pressure on those bones to grow outward and that's what causes your baby's head to grow. And the other thing is, you know, it's good that they're not all fused together because most babies or many babies are born vaginally, if not vaginally, via C-section and the head's the first thing to come out. So it needs to be able to kind of adjust its shape to either get out of the vaginal canal or be pulled out of an incision in the uterus. And so that allows the fact that it's not a big solid bone allows it the flexibility to change shape to be able to help the baby be born. Yeah. And, you know, women are created differently and our um, outflow tracts are created differently. And so for some moms, um, their pelvis is much smaller than for other moms. And that's just a nature of who you are and how you were made. And it's nothing that you really have control over. And some babies will come out with a nice round head and other babies will kind of been sitting really low in your pelvis the entire pregnancy and can really have significant molding, which is where the bones kind of overlap a little bit or squeeze tighter. And so the baby's head doesn't always look round. Sometimes it looks cone shape. Um, Sometimes it looks a little bit this is my favorite word, cattywampus. So it's just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's like... really cattywampus. <laughs> so it's a little bit off kilter. It's not quite straight away. It's just different than what you expect. So, you know, you can have cone shape heads, you can have cattywampus or kind of off kilter heads. <laughs> and it just is how the baby was sitting way down in the pelvis 
during that last part of pregnancy and how the baby's head molded in order to come out of the vaginal tract or in order to come out during a C-section. And the bones are, are meant to move to be able to get through there. And then over the first couple of weeks of life, it really does kind of go back to what we would consider this nice round shape of a head. The bones will go back to what we would consider a normal looking a normal looking head. Yeah. And I'm, that's why, you know, I'm always as a part of my newborn exam, taking a really close look at the, at the head, I'm feeling all the lines between all the different bones or all those sutures. Sometimes I'm even kind of seeing if I can move them a little bit on my exam, just to make sure that they're mobile, which they should be. And because they're mobile, the head's going to look different. I always tell parents, you know, the head looks uh, this way on the first day, but even if you take pictures and you look at day seven, the head's going to be different. And I, parents ask me sometimes like, should I be doing anything, putting pressure on different parts of the head to try to change the head shape. And no, just kind of time and gravity are going to, quote, remold the head so that it's going to take on more of a round shape. Um, And so, you know, I don't, I don't worry about it when the baby is first born, because I know that the head when the baby is first born in those first few weeks is going to change shape. And that's called a medical term for that is called deformation when the head is just squished um, in a certain way at, at delivery because of pressure that's been put on it either from sitting in the pelvis like you described or from the birth process itself. Right, which is different than a malformation, which is actually a structural defect that's a problem of normal fetal development, something went wrong in that process, and then they have will have a malformation, so a structural defect that happened because of abnormal fetal development. Yeah, so I think this can get to kind of two buckets of, of how I think of head shape, um, and I think of something called plagiocephaly, which it can, which is kind of from deformation or from different pressures on the head, sort of changing the head shape. And then when I think of malformation, I think more of something called craniosynostosis, where the where the joints of the skull and the sutures of the skull didn't really develop normally, and that's what's causing the head shape to be different. Right. So, do you want to talk about um, plagiocephaly or craniosynostosis first? Should we talk about? Well, if we're gonna. I think craniosynostosis maybe only because, not because it's more common, it's not. No, it's not more common. You could see that at birth. Yes. Whereas generally plagiocephaly, you see a little bit later. So craniosynostosis, that's when you don't have this nice mobility of your skull bones and you don't have, you can't on exam feel the spaces between the bones or feel them overlapping. It's generally when some of those bones are fused together a little bit early when they shouldn't be. And usually craniosynostosis is going to be present at birth. Um, And you can see it because different sutures or different places where the bone connects where it can fuse early. That's what the problem is with craniosynostosis is that the bones fuse early and so they're not mobile. They will cause a particular head shape. The one time that that can be different is with premature babies. And so sometimes your smallest premature babies, those kids that are kind of under 28 weeks, their brain hasn't had a chance to grow enough for us to be able to see that 
that kind of classic brain shape that goes along with these early fusions of the bone plates. And so sometimes preterm babies, we won't necessarily pick up on that craniosynostosis until they get a little bit older, more like 32, 34 weeks. So to put some medical terms behind it, I know craniosynostosis, that's already a medical term, but um, the most common type is something called scaphocephaly. And that's where, so if you, you know, I think most people can kind of feel that anterior fontanelle or that soft spot on the top of the head. Um, and it's when there's kind of one of those suture lines running across the top of the head. And that's when that one fuses. Um, and so it causes kind of this long head shape, almost like a football shape head. Um, and, and so sometimes you could pick that up after delivery that 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 is fused. Right. And that is the most common. It accounts for almost 50%, just under 50% of all of the craniosynostosis. Um, It can be confused, though, with just positional plagiocephaly of premature babies, because oftentimes those head shapes, the head shape of a baby that has sagittal synostosis or scaphocephaly can look very similar to a preterm baby who was born super early and had some positional plagiocephaly, which we'll talk about next. But just know that it can be different. But most of the time, one, you're going to have a history of being born premature. And then the other, you're going to have a term baby that has this very elongated um, midline ridge. And the positional part for the preterm babies won't have that ridge as much. Yeah, and it's a, that's called nic, nicucephaly, actually. Yes. <laughs> that positional <laughs> change, because you spend a lot of time um, kind of rotating on a different sides of your head and in the bed um, yes. when you're in the NICU, so you get that. Yep. So another one is when the metopic suture um, kind of fuses too early. So um, metopic su- synostosis, you're going to have a baby that has more of a triangular-shaped forehead, with a really prominent midline ridge. And that's going to be kind of a, a middle of the road common um, type of craniosynostosis. Yeah, you kind of see that really forehead. Um, and then the back of the head, you can get something called lambdoid synostosis. And that's pretty rare. That counts for like 3% of cases. So, But that usually presents as kind of a bump behind the ear because it's sort of like at the back of the head. Um, so that, that one's really rare. I guess another more common one would be what's called cor- coronal synostosis. So think about, it's almost like think about wearing more of a headband than a crown, even though it's called coronal. And it's when a suture that sort of runs like a, like a headband would across your head fuses. Um, and you get almost a trapezoid shaped head, very interestingly. Yeah. trying to put shapes to to these descriptions. It's hard it, to talk about head shape on a podcast. <laughs> it is hard to talk about head shape on a podcast. I will put some pictures on the website. Um, and in the notes, it'll be linked to the website so you guys can see what we're talking about with these different head shapes. Because even though it's hard to necessarily picture it on the podcast, it is really, when you look at the pictures, you're like, oh, okay, I can see what they're talking about. They are really very clear, um, especially as the head continues to grow. And that's the key here, too, for, for craniosynostosis. Someone in the, you know, if you're in the NICU or if you're in a, a well baby nursery, it might not be picked up on day of life one, because again, you heard us saying, hey, the head kind of always looks a little bit funny the first few days. But the key to that 
the key to sort of helping to diagnose it is when parents say like, hey, like I've always felt it looked funny in this way. And that'll sort of cue a pediatrician to to think about these craniosynostoses if it's been something you've been worried about for a long time. So always voice what you're concerned about because um, rest assured we're examining heads all the time. Yes, we are examining heads all the time. And I think that gets to the fact that with craniosynostosis, early diagnosis and early identification and then referral to neurosurgery is going to be really, really important for these babies. If we're worried at all about the head shape, or if parents are worried at all about the head shape, the best thing you can do is come in, let us examine, let us see how the baby's head looks over time, because we're going to get even more information by watching it over a series of weeks. Sometimes it's very, very clear just from one exam and you look at the baby and you're like, yes, I'm worried this is craniosynostosis. Let's go ahead and get a referral done. Other times you're like, well, I'm not entirely sure. But if we look at that again in a couple weeks, we're going to know because your baby's going to grow over those couple weeks. So if you are worried, don't wait until that two month visit. Call the pediatrician and say, hey, I'm worried about my baby's head shape make another appointment, come in, let us see your baby so that then we can make that referral and get the diagnosis so we can start doing what we need to do sooner. Yeah, because often this type of fusion may require some sort of surgical intervention, and that's also to allow space for the brain to grow. And oftentimes um, these can be associated with other genetic syndromes or so it might require some blood being drawn or some other workup to make sure that, hey, is this just isolated craniosynostosis, which we do see, or is this a part of a larger issue that might be with the bones or growth or development and something of that nature that we need to check genetic studies for? Yeah, absolutely. Because the one thing we don't want to have is if there's more than one suture that's affected, we don't want there to be increased pressure on the brain because the brain can't grow in a normal way. It sounds scary, but early identification is key and just making sure you get that referral to a neurosurgeon that can help decide what the treatment plan would be. Right. And, you know, if it seems really scary if your baby needs surgery for craniosynostosis, but oftentimes, even though it feels like a scary surgery, it's not brain surgery in and of itself, right? Like it's not like they're in the brain. They're really just dealing with the bones and getting the bones to a place where they can be mobile again. And babies recover really quite nicely from this surgery. Um, Babies always recover much quicker than I think they, any adult would given the same surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time, it's not craniosynostosis. It's some sort of plagiocephaly. Yes. And so plagiocephaly is different because it is not the actual bone fusing together too early. Rather, it's pressure, consistent pressure over time on a particular area of the head that causes the head to grow in a non-symmetric way. Really, this came to a head with back to sleep recommendations from the AAP. And so for those of you that don't know, Um, The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that babies are placed back to sleep without a whole bunch of stuff in the crib to prevent, as as part of the constellation of things that we can do to help prevent 
SIDS or unexplained infant death, okay? And so when we're laying babies back to sleep, most babies will have a preference and turn their heads slightly one way or the other. And then you'll have kind of a flattening on one side of the skull because there's just constant pressure from the mattress and we're placing babies on their back to sleep all the time. And, you know, this is a lot of babies that get this too. This is around, I get around 50% of babies that get this and they usually don't get it until about seven to 12-ish weeks, right? So they've spent a few months sort of lying in that position on the back, in the back of their head, making it so that their head takes on a little bit of a different shape. But as you said too, you know, this could be something we might see kind of right after delivery too, um, especially if your pelvis is shaped a certain way, if the baby was really big, if you had many babies inside of you, so more than one baby, um, you know, or if it, you know, it was difficult to get the baby out, something of that nature. Um, and we also, we can't talk about this without talking about torticollis since we were talking about neck positioning. Yes. So torticollis essentially is shortening or tightness of one of the sternocleidomastoid muscles, right? So that's a big medical term that it's that kind of diagonal muscle that you see on the side of your neck that helps you turn your head from one side to the other. So if you have one of those muscles that's either shorter or tighter than the other, you'll have a preference to keeping your head one way or the other. What we need to do is make it so that babies have full range of motion of both of those muscles. And so if we're noticing that a baby has kind of a flat spot on it on their head and babies have less than perfect uh, range of motion, um, then really the best thing to do is to get physical therapy involved and do stretching with those muscles so that you get full range of motion of the head back so that your baby can move their head from side to side. And again, in any sort of plagiocephaly, kind of early intervention is key. So if you start to notice a head side preference starting to intervene in that, so either by putting things on the other side that the, so the baby doesn't have that preference. So they're like, hey, I want to look in the other direction and not look to where I, I tend to. Um, if you notice that, you know, the neck seems tight, doing motion exercises with the neck, stretching, as you were saying, massaging um, to help change the head position because frequent changes in position is going to help alleviate kind of more in this case, the cosmetic deformity of having the skull shaped a certain way. So the other thing with plagiocephaly, so, you know, we were saying we worry with craniosynostosis about brain growth and adequate brain growth and increased pressure in the brain if it's not taken care of. Not so really with positional plagiocephaly because the, you know, the bones are not fused so they can still move and they can still allow the brain to grow. Right. This is much more cosmetic in nature, kind of like if you think about your kids needing braces to move their teeth into a, a, a more uniform positioning. This positional plagiocephaly, there's lots of things that we can do to get their head to be more perfectly symmetrical and round, but it doesn't, like with teeth that are slightly out of place, it doesn't impact their ability to eat. With your brain that's slightly um, flat on one side, it really is much more of a cosmetic issue, not a true medical issue. Now, if there is something that's underlying that plagiocephaly, like tight muscles or something that's causing you to not change your head, that is a medical issue that we would want to face. I think 
one of the things that's really important to know with plagiocephaly is that there's so many things that you can do that are just really natural taking care of your baby that you want to do that help keep the head getting pressure in different places. So what do I mean by that? So with this emphasis on back to sleep, people are afraid to put their babies on their tummies early in life. But you can actually put your one week old baby on their tummy. It can either be right next to you while they're laying on the floor while you're sitting next to them. It can be across your legs where you just kind of lay them across your legs and you're kind of patting their back or burping them. You can lay down on the couch yourself. I'm not advocating for sleeping while you're holding your baby, but if you're laying down on the couch watching TV, you can place your baby on your chest and do some skin to skin. And now your baby is doing tummy time and having a different position where they aren't putting pressure on the back of their head. So we don't need to be scared of putting our babies down on their tummies because of the back to sleep campaign. We simply want to put them on their backs to sleep when we are putting them to bed in their crib or their bassinet, not on their tummies when we're not watching them. That's the key. Yeah. If they're on their tummies, you just have to be awake, alert, watching them. I have to say my favorite was the, you know, baby on the chest on the couch watching Netflix. Yes, it is the (laughs) best. Because they're never as cuddly as in those first few weeks. They're never just going to lie on your chest like that. Um, so it's such a, a special time. I mean, and it gets to just holding them, you know, in different positions, holding them in a carrier, holding them upright, you know, holding them over your arm, um, frequent changes in position again, really help. Um, if you're breastfeeding, think about changing sides, you know, and making sure to also rotate what positions you're putting them at the breast or even bottle feeding. Like, how am I holding them when I bottle feed? Am I always holding them with their head one way? Think about switching it up so that they have to use their neck muscles in different ways. And so that any pressure on their head is changed around with your feeding. Yeah. And I I think positional plagiocephaly is particularly problematic. There's all my P's. Positional plagiocephaly, (laughs) particularly problematic in um, multiples. And so, you know, for sure we noticed, or I noticed with uh, my twins, that they always wanted to be turning their head towards the side where the other twin was. And so one of the things that I did was alternate, which, so they slept, I don't know if I should say this because it's against AAP recommendations, but my twins slept in the same crib together for the first six months of life. They were well separated. They weren't super close. It was bigger than a bassinet. Like it was just fine, but they were in the same crib for the first six months. And so I would alternate which side of the crib I put them on so that you know, one night Lincoln would have to turn his head to the right to look at Elizabeth. And then the next night he would have to turn his head to the left to look at Elizabeth. And I was not, you know, super OCD about this. Some like, I don't remember if they, he might've been on the right for three nights in a row and then on the left for a couple nights, or I would go back and forth for a couple nights and then I'd forget who was where. But (laughs) when I first brought them back, from home from the hospital, I always had Lincoln on one side and Elizabeth on the other. And that I, I, it just, it felt like, okay, I know who's where I know who ate first, like they have their spots. 
But then, or their places, but then as I noticed, Lincoln was always looking to the one side to look at Elizabeth, and he was starting to get just ever so slightly flatter skull on that side, which mostly I noticed because that's where he was bald, um, because he was rubbing in that area. So I noticed the flattening because of the baldness. Then I started moving their position back and forth. And within about three weeks, his head kind of molded back into a more round shape. There wasn't, I didn't have to do anything for this. We didn't need special positioning pillows. We didn't need um, special carriers. We didn't need to do a helmet. It was, we picked up on it early. I rotated his position and it totally went back to a rounded shape over the next three to four weeks. It was quite easy to fix because I was looking for it and I knew it could be a problem with multiples and, and that's where it was. The other thing that can be problematic with multiples is that just by the nature that you have more babies, you have to use more containers is what I call them. So I call them docking stations. Docking stations. There you go. <laughs> containers or docking stations, right? So yeah. this is the pack and play or the stroller or the bouncy chair or the swing or any place that you are placing your baby in something that's keeping them contained while you are doing something else. So when you have a singleton, oftentimes you're cleaning or you're taking a shower or you're doing something else. But when you have multiples, you only have so many arms. And by nature, you have to have your children in some of these containers or docking stations. And that is totally fine. You have to, you have to do it. All I'm saying is make sure you're rotating between where you're putting them and give them some free time on the floor, a blanket on the floor, when they're a newborn, if they're in a safe space without a ton of animals or cords or they're not going to roll down the steps, that is also a safe place. But they have way more free motion and way more range of motion than they do if they're in one of the containers. And you brought up an interesting point. You mentioned that, you know, your kids didn't need a helmet. And helmets, I feel like, are a very kind of controversial thing, right? Because... There is evidence that if you do some of the techniques we were talking about to help with the head shape that it over time is going to work, it's going to take some time. There's also evidence that a helmet is going to help with that um, and help remold the head. But do you really need one or can you do a lot of positional changes? And and, I, and we didn't mention physical therapy. Some babies, you know, if they do have torticollis or something of that nature might need physical therapy as well, just to help with exercises and position changes and coming up with different ideas. But the helmet, that's, you know, that's one where the data is sort of split. It's, and there yeah. are schools of thought that, you know, by two, everybody's head's gonna <laughs> shape out the way that it's supposed to um, because it takes some time for these bones to really fuse together too. So yeah. you have time on your side. So right. I, I will say, well, if you choose a helmet, whether or not you choose a helmet, you, you don't have to run into choosing a helmet um, because you have time. Right. And, and there's so many options. I always say for positional plagiocephaly, really what you need is a snuggly grandma because Grandmas want to hold babies all the time and they hold babies while they're laying on the couch and they're happy to never put that baby down, which is fantastic when you're talking about head shaping because then the baby is not getting constant pressure on one part of their skull. So you just need, you know, grandmas to hold your baby all the time. <laughs> so it's it's a helmet or a grandma. <laughs> a helmet or a grandma. And this is really common 
remember. So common to have a baby that has, you know, a molded or cone-shaped head or even a bruise on their head or something right after delivery and common for babies to have flattened heads on one side or, or little deformities just based on the fact, again, that their skulls are not fused bone, that they're meant to be mobile. And, and that is why there's been so much work in describing how to address this and how to look at head shape, because this is a typical newborn issue. Yeah, absolutely. Super typical. Um, I will actually put a couple of links in the show notes for people that I think do a really nice job educating on what we can do for head positioning and head shape. There's a couple occupational therapists um, that I follow that I that I really like in terms of what they're doing and the education that they're bringing to this space. So I'll put those in the show notes so that people can can go and look at that and get more more specifics about kind of what we've talked about in terms of avoiding containers and docking stations and changing positioning and and all those types of things. That's so helpful because it's such a visual, it's such a visual topic. It is. It really is a visual topic. And again, like I said earlier, I'll also put some pictures on the website and I'll link that to the show notes as well. So if you guys want to see pictures of these different head shapes that we're talking about, um, just go into the show notes and click and it'll take you to a, a website on Mighty Littles that we can show you what some of those look like. Thank you so much for having me on today. This was fun to talk about because yeah. it's something I talk about all the time with families. So I hope this makes some families feel better about having a quote, funny looking head for their baby. Thank you for coming on and talking about funny looking heads with me. And I look forward to the next time we do this. You keep saying it, Walt. No, podcast. Thank you.